Welcome to the All Our Teams podcast, the uninformed and yet equally opinionated gander into the sporting world. My name is Alistair Kirk, and as always, I am joined by my two fantastic co-hosts. First up, he agrees that the championship is the league to be in. It's Jack Green. <laughs> Definitely is. Good evening, guys. And across the pond, thousands of miles away in person, but very close to our hearts, he is just back from Cowden Beef. It's Jeremy Curo. Hello. On this week's show, we will look at the news from the past week or so. We'll discuss some oddities from the world of sport. We'll kick off with our newest segment, Bania or Bust. Jack becomes quizmaster for the day, and we will delve in to our favourite top threes. But as always, let's kick off with the news. And boys, the NHL has its newest team, the Seattle Kraken, have been born. The team will enter the league for the 2021-22 season, playing in the Pacific Division, with my beloved Arizona Coyotes being ejected to the Central Division alongside 2019 Stanley Cup winners, the St. Louis Blues, and uh, six-time champions, the Chicago Blackhawks. So thank you, Seattle. Boys, this is the first pro hockey team in uh, Seattle. Is this the first pro hockey team in the Pacific Northwest? I don't know. You could perhaps answer this for me. Uh, but yes, thoughts on the team, thoughts on the name. Uh, will they do a Vegas Golden Knights and make the Stanley Cup final in their first season? And the biggest question, will Seattle fans wear jerseys with a number seven on the back? Jeremy, kick us off. I love the name. I love everything about it. I like the uniforms. I like the logo. I think it's great. I think it's a it'll temporary, hopefully, replacement for the Supersonics being there. But it's a city that loves sports and really is passionate about the teams that they have. So I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, one thing they did that I like is they use the same color scheme as the other Seattle cities. So, or sorry, the other Seattle teams. So the Seahawks, the Mariners, and the Kraken are all going to wear the dark blue and light blue. I think it's really cool when cities do that. Um, Another one that comes to mind is Pittsburgh. The Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates are all black and yellow. And for some reason, the two L.A. football teams, the Chargers and the Rams, are both blue and gold. (laughs) (laughs) Jack. Yeah, it's a city that's been craving another major league team for a while since, as Jeremy alluded to there, the... The Supersonics left town. Um, I think it's great for the city. Um, very much looking forward to the first season, especially as I will be endorsing them as my hockey team. So mm. no, they will not be reaching the Stanley Cup final as in true all our teams form. They will come last. <laughs> we have instantly jinxed this team. So apologies to all listeners in Seattle. Um, guys, I didn't know what a Kraken was. You boys had to tell mm. me this. Um, mixed reviews online, but I mean, it stands out. I don't think anyone are going to forget the name of the team. So that's probably a positive. So Jack, you've, you've settled on this as your team then? Yeah. Like I've, I've not seen, it's, it obviously goes against my usual rule of taking on a team, but you got to take one on with my current circumstances. I've got to take one on and it makes sense to take on the new team. I've, I've been to Seattle and spent time there a couple of times. So at least there's a, a connection to that city. It'd be good to, to have a team from Seattle. So, And the jerseys are great. So I'm very, very keen on, on getting one of those. And when, when you were here in Toronto, you went to a Marley's game, right? But not a Leafs I, game? I did, yeah, because that was the season. First season yeah. in 20 years and no Canadian team made the playoffs. And it was playoff season. So I missed seeing NHL, unfortunately. That's all right. I've never even been to a Marley's game and I live in the city. It was great. They lost the series 4-1 and I went to the 1. They won 5-0. It was amazing. Great game. Oh, nice. Right, boys. Well, we will see if the Seattle Kraken will do a Vegas Golden Knights or if 
like the Edinburgh Capitals, they will be bust by the end of the decade. Let's move on to the NFL and Kansas City Chiefs guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, I imagine I've butchered that name, uh, has opted out of the 2020 NFL season, becoming the first player to do so. Now, Duvernay Tardif uh, is a practicing medical doctor, and he is, in fact, the first practicing medical doctor to play in the NFL and during the offseason was at the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic in a hospital in his home country of Canada. Uh, now, Duvernay Tardif won the 2019 Super Bowl with Kansas City. He was drafted in the sixth round of the NFL, and he was also drafted in the third round of the CFL, also known as CAFL to this podcast, <laughs> in the same year. In his statement, he wrote, and I quote, this is one of the most difficult decisions I have had to make in my life, but I must follow my convictions and do what I believe is right for me personally. Now, CNN are reporting that he was set to earn $2.75 million this season. However, on opting out, he will receive just 150000 I certainly would take that for opting out of my job with spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> boys, this is the first player to drop out of the NFL for the upcoming season. Uh, this is someone who has been based back in Canada uh, and he's a practicing medical doctor. He clearly uh, is seeing the horrendous events that is COVID. So maybe it's a little bit more understandable that he would sit out. But boys, give me your take on this decision. Not really much to say on it, to be honest. The guy has obviously seen it firsthand and knows how bad it could be. He doesn't want to immerse himself in, uh, in the situation any further with people from all over the States which is clearly a complete mess. At the moment, as we've said enough times on this pod, um, the guy knows what he's talking about. And it's it, like he said, it's a tough decision and it's a massive cut money-wise, but good for him. I think it's a great a great move for himself and I don't think he'll be the last. Good good for him. I mean, he's, he's prioritizing something other than money and uh, so we should commend him for that. But if, if that's what he wants to do, good for him. And if he can make a difference, even better. Okay, boys, talking about somebody who is definitely thinking of the money. Uh, Jeremy, your beloved New York Jets have traded all-pro safety Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks for a return, as reported by ESPN, of two first-round picks, a 2021 third-round pick, and safety Bradley McDougald uh, traveling the other way. The Jets have also sent a 2022 fourth-round pick, and I personally send my condolences to Bradley McDougald. Adams was a sixth overall pick in 2017, and he has made it very clear for some time that he uh, no longer wanted to play for the Jets. Um, fans are not the only ones upset. Uh, New York Jets running back uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, appeared to be rather pissed off, uh, having sent a cryptic message via Twitter, as so many athletes like to do. Jeremy, you're the resident New York Jets fan. Um, last week... While uh, me and Jack weren't here, you announced that Jamal Adams would <laughs> turn up to uh, preseason. Uh, it turns out that he will do so, but it will be on the West Coast. Uh, give us your shouts. It's been a weird week as a Jets fan. Um, not only the Adams situation, but their owner, Woody Johnson, with uh, some sort of racist comments as well. So I've been wanting to get rid of him for a while, ever since he started working for the current president. And uh, these comments, while awful they were, hopefully will, will help get him out of there. So uh, some terrible stuff maybe will lead to some good stuff. And it's sort of the same with Jamal Adams. He's been the best player on the Jets in a number of years. Generally known as a great culture and great 
locker room guy, so it's it's sad to see him leave. I obviously wanted them to work it out with him, but I have to say I'm I'm pretty happy with the return they got. They got more for him than Raiders for Khalil Mack than the Jags got for Jalen Ramsey, and this is for a safety who's not generally seen as a premium position. Two first round picks and a third, and a starting safety for Jamal Adams and a fourth. That's a pretty nice haul. So it's not the worst thing ever. It, it does suck to lose a good player, but. Uh, from Seattle's perspective, they've been useless at drafting at the end of round one recently with uh, names like Rashad Penny and LJ Collier, who I had never heard of despite spending countless hours researching draft, draft prospects. So, so I don't think they're going to be losing much there. I, th- I think it's a win-win for both sides. We spoke about, was it last week or the week before, teams we like but don't like, or whatever that segment was. I did talk about my uh, fake love, whatever you want to call it, for the Seahawks. So of all situations, going to my second favorite team, I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy with things overall. It'll be interesting to see if Jamal Adams turns up at a cracking game. Jack, do you concur? If the Jets had got any, well, much less than that, I think people would really be kicking off about it. Adams has clearly made a bit of a, a display in the last couple of months of, of, of how he wants out. And it does become a point when you're better off without that player if they really don't want to be there. Seattle, uh, you know, renowned for for years for having a hell of a defense, the the Legion of Boom. So it could be that they're returning now, and they're going to be some team next season. Again, we mentioned when we were talking about um, Arizona, how tough that division is. So for them to make an improvement like that is is huge for them. So it'd be very exciting to see them. Uh, a shame for the Jets in terms of personnel, but like Jess says a great return for a, for a player that didn't want to be there anymore. Jeremy, uh, is this a result, uh, another result of Adam Gase being in New York or was this, uh, was the writing on the wall regardless? No, I, I think it's absolutely, I read an article yesterday, uh, Jamal Adams did an exclusive interview and he talked about his sort of mistrust for Joe Douglas, the new GM, and also just sort of not thinking Adam Gase was the man to lead the team. I don't think he's going to find a lot of arguments with that. I could see Gase being gone after this season and, and, to be honest, I wouldn't be upset about that. So yeah, I think it's a combination of mistrust, uh, ego, and just not having any confidence in his coach. It is amazing across the board um, how often owners will allow head coaches and GMs to uh, kill franchises before they finally get rid of them. Uh, anything else in Jamal Adams, or shall we move on? No, he, he left a nice message for Jets fans, so I wish him well. Yeah, I saw that. That was a nice touch. Boys, in a sport that also uses an egg-shaped ball, uh, let's move on to rugby. Uh, Saracens of England have announced uh, their intention to play the Stormers of South Africa at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London in an exhibition match sometime in 2021. Now, the Saracens will be relegated from the Gallagher Premiership to the English Championship at the end of the 2020 season for multiple salary cap breaches in which the London-based side were deducted a total of 70, that's 7-0 points, by the league. The salary cap scandal remains one of rugby's biggest ever scandals. Now, the Saracens had signed a five-year deal with Tottenham Hotspur to play key marquee games in the 62,000-seater stadium, including the London Derby against bitter rivals Harlequins and key European games. However, the punishment... Uh, means that Saracens will not be in Europe, nor will they play the Quins next season. Now, the Saris have turned to Southern Hemisphere opposition in an attempt to generate revenue uh, to utilise their contract with Spurs. Now, as I have alluded to in previous uh, podcasts, uh, South Africa as a rugby union 
have indicated a move to uh, the Northern Hemisphere. And this, well, this could be a little taster for South African teams playing north of the equator and not south. Jack, the Saracen scandal really set in stone that uh, rugby is now professional as we hit about 25 years of players earning big bucks. My question to you is one, do you have any thoughts on the Saracens playing the Stormers? And two, is there any uh, exhibition matches from other sports that you would like to see? It doesn't exactly light a fire for me, if I'm brutally honest. Saris have obviously got some some quality players sticking with them, um, despite the relegation. So there's there's going to be some internationals there. It's going to be you know a fixture worth watching. But I, I I don't think I'd be rushing down to to watch it in Tottenham if they're not even a Premier League team. There's maybe going to be some loss of fans, and I think there's potentially going to be some loss of support just because of the whole thing and what a mess that was. In terms of exhibition matches um, elsewhere, I think kind of touching on what Jeremy was saying last week about the CFL getting stars playing in their league, it would be quite good to see exhibition matches between the two leagues of the NFL and the CFL to see how the teams could fare against professional NFL teams and and to to, to show you know to showcase the CFL in a way that that people could maybe get a little bit more interested in it. And even see, you know, do games where there's they play the NFL rules and games where they play the CFL rules and to see how much of a difference that would make. It would be really interesting to see. It's funny you mentioned that, Jack. When I was doing research for this question, I actually found out that the NFL and CFL did used to play exhibition games against each other uh, between 1950 and 1961. Oh, now, nice. the NFL pretty much dominated every game, as you can imagine. However, one year, the aforementioned Hamilton Tiger Cats did beat Jack's Buffalo Bills 38-21. to Terrible. Just the Bills. <laughs> Just the Bills, and of all teams to lose to. Oh, that's incredible. Jeremy, is Hamilton a bit of a party town too? Uh, Hamilton's a very strange town. <laughs> it's another town we've alienated. There's a lot of steel factories there and a lot of crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> That must have been a hell of a game to police. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would have been a great time. Jeremy, you may not have any direct thoughts on the Saracens playing uh, the Stormers and Jacket to add to what you were saying there. I think you may find a lot of fans in the crowd uh, wearing Stormers uh, tops just to prove a point. I certainly would be one of them. Uh, But yeah, Jeremy, if uh, you could watch an exhibition match, who would you like to see? It's hard to say because with our leagues here, they don't really lend themselves to playing other leagues because there's no league that compares to the NBA or the NFL the only thing that would come to mind would be NHL teams and KHL teams, which is the Russian Pro uh, Hockey League. Now, they'd probably still be pretty one-sided in favor of the NHL, but it does always feel good to beat Russia. One <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, wanted to see was uh, during the Cleveland Browns 0-16 era in which they were doing everything in an attempt to uh, to not uh, get a score on the board, let alone win a game, uh, was people who were saying that college teams, you know, the top college teams, your Alabamas, your LSUs, would have beaten the Cleveland Browns. And, and I think I would have quite liked to have seen a game between uh, those just to just to maybe uh, nip that one in the bud, because I still think that the Cleveland Browns at their worst would still beat a college team, in all honesty. I think it would be an absolute blowout for the pro team. Yeah, yeah. But it would still be fun, no question. Yeah, it would be brilliant. And... Uh, just imagine if they did in fact lose. Guys, let's uh, talk a sport that we, we're going to be brutally honest, none of us really know anything about, but it kind of brings up a question at the end. And unfortunately, Jeremy, it is your favourite subject, and that is COVID-19. Now, the sporting question is a rugby league and the team in question is Canada's own Toronto Wolfpack. Now, the Wolfpack, 
who currently play in the Super League, have withdrawn from the league for the rest of the 2020 season, citing Jeremy's uh, aforementioned favourite COVID-19 and financial difficulties which have resulted from the pandemic. Now, the withdrawal uh, comes two weeks before the return of the Super League in which the Wolfpack were due to play Hull Kingston Rovers. Now, part of the agreement in joining the Super League was that the Wolfpack would pay for opposing teams even to travel to Canada. And the Wolfpack, as a result, have been heavily subsidised by their Australian owner, uh, billionaire David R. Guile. Now, at the start of the season, the Wolfpack signed rugby uh, dual code legend Sonny Bill Williams to a multi-million pound two-year deal. Mm -hmm. For part of my research, I went onto the Super League website to discover that all known knowledge of the Wolfpack have been removed. The Wolfpack are no longer on the Super League website. They're not on the table. They're not on the clubs. Um, they appear to have had their memory wiped, which uh, seems to be quite an odd thing to do if the Wolfpack do, which they have indicated, and uh, return next season. Jeremy, um, obviously a Toronto team. We don't know that much about them per se, but uh, it brings out the broader question, and we've briefly touched on this in a previous previous podcast which is the difficulties in cross-border sport i tried to save super rugby uh the pro 14 uh has teams uh playing in scotland wales ireland italy and south africa and you've got the nhl with multiple teams north and south of the u.s canadian border so wolfpack no longer traveling over to england and vice versa to play and yes, difficulties across border sport where, where the COVID-19 has really shown that expansions aren't that easy unless you're in one country. Yeah, I think the I mean, expansions have been fairly easy until this pandemic hit, unfortunately. Um, it, it's really too bad. And I feel like I say that a lot now because we talk about this subject a lot, unfortunately, but it's a necessity. The Wolfpack were really starting to gain steam here as a, a popular team. Uh, my brother bought season tickets for this upcoming year. He's a bit bummed out that he won't be able to go. And if they're citing financial reasons, they must not be getting a cut of the beer sales at the games because it's outrageous how much people drink <laughs> there, uh, myself included. It's a good time. Uh, yeah, it sucks. We've never had any sort of issues with our teams in American leagues before. Um, the first ever really is the Jays right now, uh, which I believe we're going to get to in a little bit. But uh, I, I hope they can get things together, and I hope they aren't kicked out of the league for, for pulling out this year. Jack. I mean, it's a bit of a, di a different circumstance, really, isn't it, with them paying for teams to fly across, as it would. It's very unlikely that the rugby league teams would be able to afford to to pay for that kind of travel. Um, when you're talking about the American leagues, the NBA, the the NHL, um, there's a lot more money involved um, in those leagues to be able to afford travel as a as a minimum, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame, and it's a very strange circumstance with regards to the way the Super League have clearly acted but I don't know maybe they would look to to relegate them as an automatic relegation and they'd start again from the championship I think that would be a, a fairly reasonable mm -hmm. shout um again just because of a necessity but yeah I, I, it's just a shame that something like this has gotten in the way of something that really like Jeremy said was was gaining some traction and it was it caught our attention from the off didn't it and it's something that we've at least followed to some extent even though we're not rugby league fans so yeah it's a shame but um, hopefully we'll see them again next year. Well, the Super League have stated, and I quote, that they have expunged their record for this season and that there will be no relegation. The Wolfpack have only been in, in, in existence. I cannot speak. Clearly, I've been on the watermelon vodka with Jeremy. Uh, but they've only been in existence since 
uh, I believe 2015, uh, they came into the bottom tiers of English Rugby League and worked their way up uh, to the Super League uh, within uh, four or five years, which was quite an effort. So I certainly hope that they remain in the league and once this uh, rubbish virus has finally buggered off, uh, we can get back to normality. Continuing the Toronto theme, Jeremy, you briefly mentioned this a few minutes ago. In Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays will play all home 2020 games in Buffalo, Jack's beloved Buffalo. Uh, This is due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Not sure if we've mentioned that before. Um, The games will be played at the home of the Blue Jays AAA affiliate, the fantastically named Buffalo Bisons. As with many sports, fans will not be in attendance. Now, the Blue Jays had signed an agreement to play in Pittsburgh. However, Pennsylvanian officials vetoed uh, said agreement. And uh, the Blue Jays were then rejected from playing in Baltimore before the all-our team's city of the year, Buffalo, came to the rescue. Uh, We just talked about cross-border issues. This is one that is directly affecting a Canadian team um, having to play uh, not only in in their home state, in their hometown but not even their home country albeit Buffalo is on the border Um, so yep Jeremy thoughts on the Blue Jays um, playing in Buffalo and also what will Buffalo's alcohol dependency kill first the virus or the Blue Jays first of all no question the Blue Jays (laughs) secondly I think it's a good move Uh, nobody that I've talked to is upset about them not playing here it's not like we could have gone to the games anyway it really never made sense to cross the border for every single game Uh, And then I still don't get what they would have had to do. Everyone coming in quarantine, what they have had to quarantine going over every time. So it it makes sense. And I think it's kind of cool that they're playing in Buffalo instead of a city that has a team already. Sort of try to grow the fan base there even more. I'd heard talks of Omaha, Nebraska possibly being one of the sites. And I thought that would be sweet because they have no teams for anything. So somewhere else to grow uh, the fan base for the Jays. But Buffalo's, uh, it makes sense. It's there's a cool little diamond there. It looks like a good time. Cheap chicken wings and beer at the games, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all for it. Smart. And they're still close to home. Jack, uh, you do like the Blue Jays. In fact, you were watching a Blue Jays uh, game before we started recording here. Um, you also like Buffalo. So this is this is borderline pornography <laughs> for you. <laughs> it's an ideal uh, amalgamation of teams and cities. It's, it's great. Um, the the Buffalo Blue Jays, as there's been a few memes floating around on Twitter, Um yeah, it, and with having the the affiliate team there as well, it just slots in nicely for the for the club to move over. Like Jeremy said, like it avoids all of the shit that comes with crossing the border, and it is literally the closest place they could have picked. So mm. it's um, ideal. Hopefully, the Jays can get settled in well and not all catch COVID in Tampa Bay, which is where they are right now. The only place literally closer they could have chosen was Niagara Falls, New York, and that wouldn't have been good for anybody. <laughs> I think what was Ali's idea for both the Niagara Falls to secede and start their own country? <laughs> yeah, I wanted them to secede from the relative unions and form their own country. Yeah, and I'm st- I, look, I'm, st- I'm really, you know, I'm really pushing for the separatist movement. Um, potentially, an idea could have been, in fact, that the Blue Jays played in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and the opposition played in Niagara Falls, <laughs> New York. And they just had to, you know, really, really test the pitcher's ability to get that ball mm. across the border. Um, but maybe that's for the next pandemic, COVID-20. <laughs> um, continuing the Major League Baseball theme, the MLB itself and the MLB Players Association have agreed to an expansion on the playoffs from 10 to 16 teams. 
as a one-off for the 2020 season. Now, ESPN reporting that all second-place teams in the six divisions will now qualify for the playoffs. The seventh and eighth playoff teams in each league will be determined by best record. This is fantastically American. The playoffs are scheduled to start at the end of September. Happy birthday, me. Uh, boys, is this a is this a positive? Uh, will we see other um, leagues needing to adapt in this way? Potentially the NHL, potentially NFL. Some, some onliners saying that obviously this is giving some teams a free run into uh, the playoffs, but it's been a bizarre year. So, yeah, what's your thoughts? This is something I've been wanting for a long time in baseball. The NHL and the NBA already do this with 16 teams. I've never really understood why so few teams in baseball make the playoffs. It was four per conference for a long time. Uh, now it's, what, five with the one-game play-in? Uh, it's possible that that's wrong, but I think that's right anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's great. More teams will make it. Listen, I, I like the Jays. They're in the division with the Yankees and Red Sox. They never make the playoffs ever. So maybe finally we'll get to see them. It's great. I think it's smart, and I like it, and I hope it continues. Yeah, I'm completely on board with what Jeremy's saying. Um same reasons regarding the Blue Jays being stuck behind the Yankees and the Red Sox almost every single year. Now you only need one of them to slip up to get a chance to go through. Obviously, the NHL have expanded the the playoffs that were outstanding, um, and the NBA have done their own thing too. The NFL have expanded the playoffs for the 2020 season, so it's, it is happening all around them. Um, it makes sense completely, and hopefully it means uh, some teams that have never really had the shot get their shot and... Maybe we'll see some different winners in the World Series. Well, hopefully the expansion to 16 teams will benefit the Toronto Blue Jays and they can indeed bring a championship back to Buffalo. <laughs> uh, boys, let's move on to football. Um, now, not long before we started recording, the 2019-20 English Premier League season concluded. Jeremy's beloved Liverpool champions ending the season on 99 points, though. They didn't make it to 100, so... That is a failure, if you ask me. Uh, my beloved Tottenham Hotspur made Europe just uh, with Bournemouth and Watford joining Jack's beloved Norwich in being relegated. Boys, it's been an odd season. It's literally just ended. Uh, but I thought we could maybe look at some winners and losers uh, from the 2019-20 season. Jack, would you uh, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been obviously a strange season just because of everything in the middle but if you if you forget all of that, uh, the the things that really stand out for me, obviously Liverpool winning the league by eighteen points is is incredible. Um, it's a pretty rare feat that someone is so far ahead, especially of teams with such quality like Man City. Um, the resurgence of Man United has been something of a revelation uh, since January. Really, they've been nothing but incredible, really. Um, and with that, the fall and very strange fall of Leicester since the. Since the restart, they have tanked to the point where they've been sitting comfortably in third and quite comfortably in third to now ending up fifth, just above your beloved Tottenham into the Europa League instead of the Champions League. So terrible, really. Um, other things, obviously, I, I won't say too much about Norwich's horrendous season. It hasn't been good at all. Um, but at the bottom, something of a an amazing end to the season really with goals going in in the last few minutes for for Aston Villa against West Ham and Bournemouth nearly snatching themselves safety and goal difference could have come into play at the end there um final shout out really to to Sheffield United who could have made Europe if they'd had a bit of a stronger end to the season ninth in the league and after uh, coming up 
second in the championship behind my beloved Norwich. Um, what what a team they've been and so great to watch. Um, just a brilliant season from them. Yeah, it would have been absolutely fantastic to watch uh, Scotland legend Ollie McBurney and Ireland legend David McGoldrick up against Lionel Messi <laughs> in next year's Champions League. Yeah, some fantastic points, Jack. Uh, as you say, Leicester's end was uh, just bizarre. Um, uh, Johnny Evans potentially uh, up for the running for the worst ending run to a season ever. He played horrendously um, in his final three games. And uh, Leicester, uh, you know, uh, last week in the game against uh, my beloved Tottenham, um, had something ridiculous like 79% possession and still managed to lose 3-0. Um, and I completely agree. I think Manchester United, a team that are almost universally hated due to their domination uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s, but uh, they've definitely been the team to watch since uh, the league returned. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about your beloved Norwich, um, but am I right in saying they scored only one goal after lockdown? Uh, they did, um, apart from the one that was disallowed today against Man City, which broke my heart just a little bit because I had them on to win at 33-1. to 1. Um, <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> that is, it's a damn shame. Mm. Yep, betting against, well, betting on your own team, even though they're going to lose, it's, it's pure love for the horrendous season that we've had. Uh, but yes, one goal since lockdown in the league, anyway. Not great. Uh, Jeremy, champions, well done. Um, you, must, you must just be elated. Oh, you have no idea. The Raptors last year, Liverpool this year. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was looking at stats, though. I saw uh, Man City had way more total goals for, though. Like over 100, and then I think Liverpool was 80-something, and then the next was in the 60s. I don't really know what any of that means, but it, it seemed pretty impressive for Man City. <laughs> no, it does. Oh, I, the, the thing with Manchester City, I mean, they are an unbelievable team to watch. I mean, they are just stacked out with as many stars as you could possibly get, in, get into one football team, but it just shows you what, what Jurgen Klopp did with that Liverpool team. They were consistent. Their home record was unbelievable. Um, they were very close to going the whole season um, without, well, win winning every single home game uh, up until they started uh, celebrating the title win and uh, got hung over, and that was the end of that. Yeah, um, that one's understandable. But yes, it was, it, it's, it's been an odd season. The initial return to the league after the lockdown, well, you could see it was uh, it was players who have been sitting in their houses with not much to do, sluggish performances, uh, so sluggish in fact that the goal line technology broke within five minutes, causing an instant <laughs> uh, an instant instant scandal. Um, but yes, football was back, and what's great is it's not going to be that long until it returns again uh, with the English Premier League slated to return along with the Football League on the 12th of September, uh, which is only a matter of weeks away. Now, this is kind of where the um, calendar gets a little bit messed up. So, for example, the 2020-21 Scottish Premiership is due to start on August the first with bitter rivals Aberdeen playing Rangers. However, the Scottish Championship, in which my beloved Heart of Midlothian will be in, is not due to start until October, although there is still no specific date. Uh, then the 2020 Scottish Cup, so that's the Scottish Cup from last season, well, it's not concluded yet. It's uh, due to start again in the weekend of, of October 31st, so we'll have the 
last year's cup playing at the same time as this year's season. Uh, and then the 2020 Champions League uh, is due to resume on the 7th of August, uh, with the Europa League final being August 21st, the Champions League final being August 23rd, and potentially, if the likes of Manchester City win that one, a couple of weeks later, they'll be back for the new season. Jack, do you anticipate fans returning at any point in the 2021 season? I don't think they should, but um, the, the chat at the moment is that they'll be returning in October. Boris Johnson seems very keen to to get fans back into stadiums in, in England anyway. Um, Scotland may be a different story, but uh, and that excites a lot of people, and, and that's a good thing, I guess, but uh, it, it scares me a little bit um, personally. But uh, if the football's starting back up again, we get our leagues running again, you know, it's it's a step in the right direction. They're obviously managing it fairly well. There hasn't been outbreaks that have stemmed from the return of, of the Premier League and, and the Football League in, well, the Championship in, in England. So if they can stick to, to doing it the right way, there's no reason why eventually, you know, fans will be back at some point in the season. Um, I think October is a little early for me, though. Well, hopefully, Jeremy, will get you into Anfield before you know it. <laughs> That's right. In bizarre footballing news of the week, uh, Ivorian midfielder Yaya Touré, who has won two La Ligas and a Champions League with Barcelona, three Premier Leagues with FFP specialists Manchester City, and one African Cup of Nations back in 2015, among many other trophies, has been keeping fit by training with English fourth-tier side Latent Leighton Orient. Um, now, sadly, he's due to sign elsewhere once uh, borders open up and he can again leave the UK. Uh, he was last playing for a Chinese Super League team, which I'll be honest, I googled them and I can't pronounce the name, so I'm not even going to bother embarrassing myself. <laughs> um, guys, I don't know if you had any other examples of players uh, training or playing with teams that, that seemed a little bit... Um, no offence to Leighton Orient, as I now insult them, um, a little bit <laughs> below their standard. Uh, I couldn't really think of a specific one, but it reminded me of the time that Graham Souness at Southampton signed a guy by the name of Ali Daya. Uh, Ali Daya uh, had phoned up uh, Graham Souness, pretending to be uh, the Liberian footballing legend and now Liberian president, which is a little bizarre, and maybe he'll come up in a future segment. Uh, George Weah, stating that Ali Daya was George Weah's cousin and he was one of the best footballers in Liberia. Uh, Graham Souness, having watched literally not a second of him play, uh, not only signed him, he brought him on as a substitute for Southampton legend Matt Letizier. Ali Daya played for about 20 minutes before it was realised he physically couldn't kick a ball and he was last seen, uh, well, nobody knows where he is these days. But yes, uh, any examples of guys playing for teams... Uh, at a lower level that you guys can think of? Um, I've, I've got one, yeah. I mean, well, very similar to the Aya Torre story. Um, I, I think it might have been when Norwich dropped down into League One. But coming to the end of his career, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was training with Norwich Fantastic. for uh, a couple of months during their pre-season um, and then ended up, you know, the, the rumours swirled around and came to absolutely nothing and I'm pretty sure he just retired at that point. <laughs> he was about 38. But... Um, <laughs> A big name anyway, uh, but but no story to follow, unfortunately. Leeds legend right there. Jeremy? Uh, this is really not in any way sports related, but it's sort of similar to your uh, Liberian buddy there. Uh, actor, Australian actor George Lazenby talking his way into the role of 007 <laughs> somehow, despite very limited experience, and then leaving the role because he thought he could go on to bigger things. So that didn't work out too well for him. 
Absolutely. Uh, not many of his movies repeated constantly on Channel 4 over here in the UK. Jeremy, it's time to uh, do the COVID-19 news of the week. And although mm, we hate nice, COVID-19, nice. it has brought a fantastic story. And that is that the NBA are investigating whether LA Clippers guard Lou Williams broke quarantine bubble regulations to visit an Atlanta strip club. <laughs> Boys, obviously, neither of us have ever been to a strip club. We, we don't even know what they are. But uh, yeah, Lou Williams, he couldn't uh, help himself. He's been in a bubble for about 10 days, two weeks, and he's already managed to escape uh, to watch some ladies dance. Uh, Jeremy... Lou Williams. Yeah, former Raptor Lou Williams, I should say. Uh, this is great. This is my favorite story of the week. It sort of makes up for all the horrible COVID stuff we have to talk about. Uh, I just want to shout out a uh, listener of the show and my friend Tim, who once got seven straight private dances at a strip club here in North Bay, Ontario. <laughs> just COVID. Fantastic. Him the Lou Williams of Canada. Exactly. Yeah, I actually uh, I watched the Clippers game. Um, highlights from the preseason uh, not long before we recorded and uh, Lou Williams played, played very well so it's a shame that his uh, urges got the better of him uh, Jack, thoughts on Lou Williams uh, skipping a bubble to uh, to go to a bar Just a question really um, uh, is the bubble based in Florida because obviously they're at Disney World Yeah, Walt mm-hmm. Disney, yeah, in Orlando yeah. And he plays for the Clippers That is correct um, How the fuck has he ended up in Atlanta? To go to a strip club. Like, this must be some fucking strip club if he's, if he's gone all the way to Atlanta. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of that way, but there's a long way to go from Florida to Atlanta just for a strip I, club. I have to be honest, until you pointed this out to me, at not one point did my brain register how bizarre <laughs> that that was. I think he had left the bubble for legitimate reasons and then just went to the strip right. club while he was gone. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I was going to say that's a long way to go just to break out mm-hmm. of the bubble. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look uh, for any other NBA players who want to go to uh, this strip bar. Uh, Frontier are doing flights for £26, so that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's a six-hour, two-minute dr- <laughs> hour drive, so God, he must really have wanted to see some boobs. So fair play, Lou Williams. Uh, now, boys, that was a cracking new segment from One Oddities in Sport. Let's jump straight in to segment one of the evening, which we have called What the Hell Happened Here? In brackets oddities in sport it's a title that will stick who would like to start this week jeremy so what i what i've always thought is weird in sports is that in the pga tour fans can call in uh penalties or rules violations yes uh, imagine that in any other sport you call the nfl because you think you saw a pass interference <laughs> it's just strange I, I looked up an example a female golfer called lexi thompson uh, or somebody called or emailed in about her marking her ball on the green and then replacing it uh, improperly, uh, which would be a potential two-stroke penalty. She went on to finish her round and signed her scorecard. The next day, the penalty was verified. She was penalized two strokes for marking her ball incorrectly and then two more strokes for (laughs) signing an incorrect scorecard, despite the fact that the penalty had not been verified until (laughs) after she signed it. So I have a a question with this. How, How big of a loser do you have to be to call or email in about somebody marking their ball wrong. How do you know the number for the PGA Tour <laughs> is next? And I, I wanted to shout out my dad's buddy, Garth, who uh, is famous for saying, in golf, if you don't cheat, you're only cheating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. 
to go along with that, I, I want to quickly talk about Major League Baseball managers and how weird it is that they're constantly freaking out at umpires and getting right in their faces. Uh, to bring things full circle, one of the best scenes in the movie Naked Gun featuring our man Leslie Nielsen is where he's yeah. <laughs> dressed up as the umpire and trying to uh, find out who's going to shoot the queen. Uh, even weirder <laughs> is that baseball managers wear the exact same outfit as players. Yeah, that is a yeah, weird that one. Is weird. I'll give you that one. Really that is weird. odd. That yeah. in the other sport would be really weird. Those are, those are both pretty fucking weird, if you ask me. <laughs> no, no, uh, J- Jeremy, you bring up some uh, some re- incredibly good points there. First of all, yes, uh, phoning up a golf tournament to say that you've noticed a penalty. I mean, you must be the most <laughs> anal of anal people to, to notice that. I mean, just I do not. Have, I'm, I mean, I'm on, if I'm when I'm watching golf, I'm spending most of the time on Twitter, just listening to the commentary. So I'd be useless at that. Quick question from me: In what way does your dad's buddy Garth cheat? I mean, are we talking? What levels of cheating are we are we going for? never golf with him personally but i my dad's told me that he once ran full speed with a golf cart into a porta potty that his friend was sitting in on the course <laughs> oh my god so <laughs> it's violent so so uh, something tells me when we get the uh when the when we get the garth open going and it's garth garth crooks and your dad's buddy garth that could be a hell of a tournament yeah the baseball one's weird that gets me too i really don't watch much baseball um i watch like Diamondbacks highlights on YouTube which are normally about four minutes 30 long yeah. Um, but yes yeah, seeing them dressed I mean literally like they're about to go out and bat it's it's bizarre I do wonder if uh, the Blue Jays will adopt the Buffalo uh, love of the table and just start launching them at umpires when calls go the wrong way Jeremy uh, you, that was a cracking start uh, they, they are some bizarre oddities uh, in sport Jack give us yours yeah, mine's one that actually came in this week uh, from Birmingham City. So it's a local team to where I'm from. A, a young lad called Jude Bellingham. He's played for them for one season. Um, so he's played one season, 44 games, four goals. Nothing particularly outstanding. He's a very young, you know, very talented young player, 17 years old. Just been bought by Borussia Dortmund, one of the giants of European football. An amazing story for him incredible for for a player of that age to get picked up by such a massive team and to 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 move on to a team with facilities coaching and the the potential to be playing at the top levels in the world um is is incredible for for someone and the club Birmingham City are clearly very proud that one of their players has done that now what they've decided to do is they have retired his shirt now he wears the number 22, which is a, it's not exactly, in football, it's not, it means nothing really. It's just a substitute's number. Um, the first question I have is, do you think they would have done the same thing if he was wearing the number seven? Um, I, I don't think so. Well, hang on, I'll go again. I'll come from number seven. What are you, it's my like, friend it's like Tim, Tim at the street like club? Yes! The script writes itself. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Tim. Oh, I think that should go in the actual show. Okay, yeah, that's brilliant. On. I love that. That was awesome. That has to. That was so good. <laughs> Normally, obviously, a shirt gets retired at the end of someone's career. You know, a legend, a Hall of Famer, someone that's been massive to the club, uh, someone that gets plays for their entire career. Or it seems a bit odd that they've done it for a lad who's played for a year. 
Um, the message that they're giving is that it's to inspire young players, which I think is a great message, but it just feels a little bit odd that maybe they'll be hanging the number 22 and when people come to visit St. Andrews, uh, they'll be saying, who the fuck wore number 22? I don't remember anyone who played for Birmingham City, uh, let alone some 17-year-old kid. Never know, they may have absolutely nailed this in advance and the guy ends up being the next, you know, Lionel Messi. But... um, Seems a bit odd to me that they're doing it at this point. But I think the key point is what you just said there. He's 17. Yeah, exactly. He cannot, He cannot. in the United Kingdom, this guy cannot legally drink alcohol or, in fact, accompany Tim to a strip club. <laughs> and he's already had his jersey retired. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, uh, Jeremy, as you know, in the NBA, guys get their jerseys retired sometimes three, four years after they've finished playing or, you know, mm. hit the Hall of Fame. I mean, this kid probably doesn't even have a driving license and he's just had his jersey retired by Birmingham City. Uh, it's, yeah, that's an odd one. That is an odd one. Speaking of retired jerseys, did you guys know that Wayne Gretzky's number 99 is retired league-wide in the NHL? I didn't know that. I, don't, I did not know that. So, like, no, no team can play or should play the 99. Exactly. Brilliant. That is a cracking stat. A Seattle cracking stat. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Jack, uh, yeah, it's a brilliant oddity in sport there and one that is only a week old. But yes, we do hope a 17-year-old... Give us his name again. Jude Billingham. You see, they've retired his jersey and I still can't remember (laughs) his damn name. But we wish him all the best at Borussia Dortmund. Um, Guys, my oddity in sport, uh, it's a bit of a niche one, but I wanted to bring it up. Uh, As you boys know, I have a deep love of motorsport and the BTCC, which is the British Touring Cards. It, in fact, returns next weekend and I am beyond excited. Uh, Now, during the 1990s, the BTCC was the premier motor racing series in the world. In fact, during the 90s, more drivers were paid by manufacturers in the BTCC than in Formula One. Um, It was also known, and this is the key thing, for being the premier saloon in North America. You guys refer to them as sedans, but it's saloon motorsport racing. Now, the era I'm talking about was super touring. It was the it was incredible. Uh, they had the best touring car drivers from around the world uh, based in the UK, racing uh, every second weekend from north to south. Uh, it was also ridiculously uh, not cost-effective. Teams were spending anywhere between 8 and £10 million, pounds and effectively uh, it got too expensive and they had to stop. Now, the BTCC has uh, one key rule. Uh, to race a car in the championship, it has to be sold in the UK on our domestic market. So you're taking a Ford Mondeo, putting in uh, racing equipment, and you're racing around a track at 140 miles an hour. So yeah, this meant that the grid was littered with the likes of Mondeos, Renault Lagunas, Vauxhall Cavaliers, stuff you used to see your dad and your uncle driving around town in. Now in 1994, Swedish health and safety officers Volvo, this is the company who invented the three-point seatbelt and gave the patent away for free to save lives, on the Volvo. They decided to enter the sport and they had a great choice of cars in their range, but they decided to turn up with a Volvo 850 and it wasn't a saloon, but it was a station wagon. Uh, We call them estate cars. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever watched a Volvo estate car race around a track, but it's effectively like watching a crude oil tanker attempting to navigate a canal. It doesn't work. Uh, Now, Volvo finished sixth in the Constructors' Championship. However, it was known for being completely uncontrollable, 
going around corners because it had uh, no weight balance because behind the driver was space for a family of five and a dog. Uh, now, what I really loved about this time was that uh, Dutch touring car legend Jan Lammerts, who was hired by Volvo to race the Volvo 850 estate, he was pissed off because he said it was exactly the same as driving his own Volvo 850, which he took on the weekends to play golf, which basically meant Volvo felt they didn't need to do anything to the car and therefore they simply just stuck a big engine in it and a roll bar and sent it out on the track. Other drivers didn't like it because they uh, they felt it was like driving behind a dumper truck because they couldn't actually see anything in front of them because they had a huge station wagon. It was odd. Uh, it's never really been seen again. Big credit to Volvo for just having the audacity to try and sell more, more Volvo 850 uh, estates uh, slash station wagons and using a a very popular racing series to do it. It's a very niche one, but uh, yeah, just Google Volvo 1994 and you will see a bunch of guys driving around in a car that looks like a lady going to the shops. <laughs> anything on uh, anything on Volvos in general? I drive a Volvo. They're great. Very safe. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm an old man. I really am. All right, guys, uh, some fantastic oddities in sports from pedantic golf fans to a 17-year-old getting his jersey retired and Volvo turning up with a crude oil tanker. Uh, Jeremy, take the floor. Yeah, before we get into our next segment, I wanted to say that for the first time ever, I watched WNBA opening day yesterday. Can I remember the teams that played? No, but I do want to give a shout-out to the women for going into the locker room and protesting the anthem in a sign of solidarity. So big ups to them for that. Yeah, love it. I echo that big fan indeed. Good one there, Jeremy. Boys, let's move on to segment two for the evening now. Last week, I told a lengthy and uh, potentially interesting story on uh, Norwich City's next signing, signing Bobby Benilla. Uh, we've now found out that uh, I've been saying his name wrong for years. Uh, Jeremy, uh, your brother, uh, John, has uh, brought this to our attention. Uh, how should I be pronouncing it? Bania. Benia, Bobby Benia. So that is awkward once again. I have failed. Uh, but in tribute to Mr. Benia, we're going to play a round of Benia or Bust, where we try and, uh, or we just talk about some other random contract sports negotiation uh, malarkey. Jeremy, Bobby Benia, kick us off. I've decided to go with a saga that I've always found a bit entertaining. At one point, in the early 2000s, the goalies on the New York Islanders were Garth Snow, which is a great name, and Rick DiPietro. Brilliant. Uh, Garth Snow retired and was, for some reason, immediately named general manager of the team. He went on to <laughs> sign Rick DiPietro to a 15-year contract worth $67.5 million. DiPietro had been great up to that point and was good shortly afterwards. However was ravaged by injuries over the next few seasons, landing on the injured reserve uh, several times. He started to finally sort of get things uh, healthy again when he got into a goalie fight, which is very rarely seen, with the Penguins' Brent Johnson, who knocked out DiPietro and broke his jaw with a single punch. love a goalie fight. (laughs) Yeah, you never see goalie fights. Uh, DiPietro was finally waived after the 2013 season with eight years remaining on his contract. Given the nickname Rickety because of his injuries, not to be confused with Rickety Cricket from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, he eventually reached a buyout with the team that would pay him $1.5 million per year for the next 16 wow. years, which of course he is still being paid for. 
And when I went back to confirm some of these facts, the first thing that popped up was sometimes known as the Bobby Benilla of the NHL. Brilliant. <laughs> fantastic. That is fantastic. I also look forward to when we do our top three Garths, because mm. now we can say Garth Crooks, uh, the Garth that you just said there, and your dad's buddy. So looking forward <laughs> to Garth heavy that. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the Garths. Jack. So mine's slightly different, more about a player being signed for a lot of money and then dissipating entirely. So uh, a young lad named Francis Jeffers uh, showed up on the scene in the early 2000s uh, for Everton. Played his first season or first couple of seasons, played 49 games and scored 18 goals. A lot of hype around him. He's actually the the joint top scorer for the England 21s still today. Um, Ali, I was going to quiz you on this. Do you know who he's tied with or could you guess who he's tied with? Jeremy, of course, feel free to throw in a name. Michael Owen. Good guess, but no. That's a, that's a great guess, yeah. Um, I'm, well, I'm, I want to say Harry Kane because the way that you said the question. Not Harry Kane. He is uh, he is in the top ten. Uh, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer. There you go. So yes, Francis Jeffers and Alan Shearer, the joint top scorers in the for the England the twenty ones of all time. However. Alan Shearer went to go went on to be the uh, top scorer in the Premier League of all time. Francis Jeffers did not. Uh, he was <laughs> signed for eight million in two thousand and one, which in two thousand and one is a lot of money in football. Um, went on to play twenty two games for Arsenal and scored four times. Was then loaned back to Everton and scored no goals in his loan spell. Uh, just to lift up, list off a few team names that he played for during his career, um, he went on to, to Premier League sides at the time, Charlton and Blackburn, which is still fairly respectable, um, was loaned out to Rangers and to Ipswich, again, still fairly respectable, Sheffield Wednesday as well, at this point it starts to get a little bit murkier, the Newcastle Jets in Australia, before Motherwell, and then returning to the Newcastle Jets, before moving on to Floriana, which may well be pronounced incorrectly in, of all countries, Malta, before ending up with seven appearances for Accrington Stanley. Uh, Francis Jeffers scored 40 goals in his entire career, remembering that 18 of those were in the first season and a half. So he played 235 games and uh, 18 of those were in his first 49 of those games. Horrendous back 90% of his career. He did, however, get an England cap at one point for the first team and scored a goal, which is quite an impressive feat for someone that ended up being effectively a wet flannel. What I like, Jack, is having a quick look at his stats here myself. So as you as you alluded to, he played for the Newcastle Jets of Australia, playing nine games. He then left Australia, travelling all the way to Scotland to play ten games for Motherwell, only to then get tired of that and so fly all the way back to Australia to play 17 games and then move to Malta. I mean, f- terrible footballer, but great air miles. Oh, tan so, must have been fantastic as well. Couple of free, couple of free seats on that one. Yeah, no, Francis Jeffers. I remember. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when he came onto the onto the scene and he was touted as the next big thing. And yeah, I mean. When he was playing in Scotland, he was uh, he, he just was not memorable. In fact, I didn't I completely forgot he played for Motherwell, which is uh, very cowed and beef like. <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> nice so. one. Yeah, for my uh, Benio or bust, uh, I'm sticking to the same similar theme, and I am going football. I'm going for a guy who's still very much on the scene, and that is Arsenal's Mesut Ozil, who signed for Arsenal back in 2013 from Spanish giants Real Madrid. Now, 
It's a really kind of odd situation, Mesut Ozil. Jack, you might be able to jump in and, and help me on this one. Um, because Ozil is somebody who appears to never play. Now, I actually looked at his stats on transfer market, and it, and it seems actually he's played more games in the last couple of seasons than I thought. And I think that kind of just almost is more of an indictment on his performances because they're so unmemorable. This is somebody who appears to always be injured and appears to have a very poor attitude. He's very happy just to sit on the uh, sidelines. And when he is on the pitch, uh, he's been known to really not try unless he's given the ball. Now, the thing about this was in 2018, there was already questions from Arsenal on Ozil's attitude and willingness to play. So in their infinite wisdom, they gave him a contract extension until 2021 in which they are paying him 350,000 British pounds a week. And he is more than happy just to sit on the side and watch Arsenal play. Now, Ozil himself has had some questionable moments. He met with Turkish president uh, Recep Erdogan uh, for a misguided photo opportunity. Now, Erdogan is slowly becoming a despot and is uh, little by little removing freedoms from Turkish citizens. Uh, he then had Erdogan as his best man at his wedding. Now, of course, Uzel is German, but of Turkish descent. Uh, and he is married to a Turk, but it's it's not every day that you see a Premier League footballer or an athlete of any sort having as their best man the Turkish president. Uzel's contract is due to expire in 2021. I fully expect Arsenal to hand him a one-year £400,000 <laughs> contract because they'll panic. Jack, yeah, to me, Uzel, he should have been long gone from Arsenal. They can't find anyone to buy him, though, because, first of all, Arsenal will expect a lot of money, and then that team will need to fork out considerable zeros onto his contract. But, uh, yeah, Uzel should have been long gone from that team. As a Spurs fan, I thoroughly enjoy it, though. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's quite archetypal of, of Arsenal's transfer policy to either pick fantastic players and turn them to utter shite or <laughs> to pick the, the shit out of the diamonds, I guess. Um, he was magnificent for, for Real Madrid and has been in his career playing for Germany. So it seems very odd that he suddenly has become this player. Um, like you've kind of said there... Maybe it's a it's an arrogance issue where he's he feels like he's more important than the team and he feels that he should be the focal point of a side and maybe at Real Madrid they didn't you know he's at Real Madrid uh, it's it's the biggest well arguably the biggest team in the world and Arsenal is is you know is a minnow in comparison maybe that's how he looks at it um, maybe it's an arguments with managers but he's had a few since he's been there um, very strange. You know, it's frustrating. If especially, it must it must be very frustrating as an Arsenal fan to see someone that talented and play so poorly. Because when he does play well, he's unplayable. Him and and Ramsey together back in the day were incredible together. A few fantastic goals against my beloved Norwich, unfortunately, uh, showcase his best talents in the Premier League. Um, yeah, very odd that they're offering him more money, but I, I do feel it's a little bit Arsenal over. Maybe he's got a photograph of the owner with a goat somewhere and doing something he shouldn't be. That's what it feels like. It sure does. Jeremy, any thoughts on Mesut Ozil? Uh, he's a pretty weird looking guy, isn't he? <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, he does kind of. He, yeah, he, he kind of looks like a fish mm. that you'd find in the Mariana. Some sort of amphibian. There's a there's a meme of saying that he looks like a yeah. praying mantis. Mm. 
pretty sure it's close to cyberbullying, but it's, uh, you know, he earns 400 grand yeah, a week. Yeah, he'll be all right. I just, in an episode I seem to be dedicating to shout-outs, I want to shout-out the aforementioned Newcastle, Australia, which I spent a very lovely weekend once. Thanks. <laughs> 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 well, shout out to Newcastle and shout out to the praying mantis himself, Mesut Uzel, who will be praying for another high-valued contract. Boys, it's time to play a segment which we've had some very good reviews on. It's uh, called Player and Politician, and this week, Jack will be the presiding officer as me and Jeremy battle it out for uh, a trophy that doesn't exist. Jack, take the floor. Right. Um, in true All Our Team style and true style of this evening's podcast, uh, I would like to make a quick shout-out myself to the Toronto nice. Blue Jays for throwing away a 4-0 lead and losing in the extra inning to the the, the Tampa Bay Rays 6-5 this evening. What the fuck are we doing? Um, let's move on. Player or politician? The NFL edition. Lads, are you ready? Ali, I believe you'll be answering first, so... Yeah, I've been given a, I've been given a handicap, so I will uh, start. You already first. got one. First name out of the hat is a man called Nick Toon. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go NFL. I'm going to go NFL. I'm going to say Tennessee Titans. I'm going to say he's a wide receiver in the NFL. So Jeremy knows this one already. Nick Toon played for the Saints and the Rams between 2012 and 2015. His dad was a fairly successful wide receiver. He was not... Played two seasons, scored one TD in 16 games, got injured, and never actually made it past the practice squad Practice squad for St. Louis. Did you say his name was Nick Toon? Yes, like Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, is that, not a, is that not a children's TV channel? That is correct, yeah. That's remarkable. <laughs> okay, next one. So, Martin Straker Welds. Great name. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go with politician. I'm going to go with politician in this one. I'm going to agree with that. You're right. He is the Labour councillor for the district of Moseley in Birmingham. There you go, gents. <laughs> nice one. Right. Next one. He's not Captain America, but his name is Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Oh, that's such a bland name. Could be bloody anything, eh? Captain How America dare you. is not bland. Steve Rogers. Oh, I'm a politician. Say, I agree. You are both wrong. Steve <gasps> Rogers played a massive... Three games for Kansas City in 1987. I told you there was going to be some you were never going to know, Jeremy. I had to put them in there. I believed you. Not Captain America, Steve Rogers, NFL. Nice. I hope someone's keeping score, by the way, because I am definitely Uh, not. I have. It's two two each, yeah. Two each, easy enough. Right. This next one, I hope his name was intentional to be uh, a nickname because he's a fucking Ed Case. His name is... Ed Case. (laughs) (laughs) Just a sec. Such an unnecessary unnecessary introduction. (laughs) As you just become Vinnie Jones in a movie. God, brilliant. <laughs> ah, well, I think, yeah, uh, I think fucking Ed Case. Uh, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm going with politician. I'm going to go with player. Oh. Ali, you take the lead. He is ah. the Democrat for Hawaii's first district. <laughs> oh, Ed Case. Me. 
and he Ed does not case. look like an Ed, uh, an Ed case at all. Uh, I hope he wins. I hope he wins um, in 2020. <laughs> so next up is Kelvin Davis. Oh, that's an NFL name. That is an NFL name if I've ever heard one. I'm switching. I got to take my point back here, politician. And you will. He is the deputy leader of the Labour Party in New Zealand. Nice. Well played, well played. What are we, 3-3? Three, 3-3. Three? Three, three. I committed so big to that one too. What a tit. So the next one is Pernell McPhee. Oh, I see what you've done here. I see what you've done here. Because that's, that sounds NFL, NFL-y. But I reckon, are, am I going to call your bluff? Uh, NFL. Yeah, NFL. I feel like Jeremy knew this one. He's been I in the NFL. One, yeah. He's a defensive lineman in the NFL. Nine years, 60, 116 games, currently with the Ravens. Returned to the Ravens after having started with them. Also played for the Bears and the Washington No Names. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is Joe Fitzpatrick. Ooh. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Again, this is what's so great about player or politician. They could be either, and that's why we play it. Um, I'm going with Joe Fitzpatrick. Oh, I reckon he's like a, I reckon he's like an Aussie, an Aussie politician. Yeah, I think so too. He is not an Aussie politician. He is, however, the Minister for Public Health, Sport, <laughs> and Wellbeing in Scotland. Uh, so Ali, knowing <laughs> yes. his own, not that I'd expect you to, but not knowing your own politicians there. Um, yeah, so that ties you in at four each, five each, I think, guys. Five each. Five, five. each, yeah. Right, so you've each. got three left. Here okay. is the big guy, the one we're all waiting for, Dick Sweat. There's <laughs> 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 no way. If he's a politician, I want him to resign immediately. Oh, oh that is brilliant. Dick Sweat. Oh, Dick Sweat. <laughs> oh, I'm going NFL. I'm going politician. Uh, Jeremy takes the lead. Uh, oh. Former House representative for New Hampshire, Dick Sweat. <laughs> That's, his oh. name is why I never wear pants during these podcasts. <laughs> Why do people when they have a Why do people when they have a kid and call them Richard not think this through? Come on, oh, people! Brilliant. Right, so yep. Jeremy, six five yeah. in the lead. Oh, actually, um, can I can I can I do a shout out? I haven't done a shout out yet. Of course you can. Of course you can. Can I do a shout out to the random couple about ten years ago who uh, sold their story to the Daily Record in Scotland because they called their son Drew, and their surname was Peacock. <laughs> because he's grown up to be a politician. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. He might be coming up next. Um, oh, that's rough. Right, next one. So, Don Odegaard. I'm going NFL. Am I up by one? You are oh, you up are. by yep. one. Okay, I'll go the opposite then. Okay, so that was a bad call. He is NFL. <laughs> he actually played two years for... He actually played for two of your teams, Jeremy. He played two years yeah. for the Jets in 90 and 91 he was a db and kick returner played 30 games in total but he also then played in the cfl for three years for the hamilton tiger cats the (laughs) memphis mad dogs because apparently there was a u.s expansion at some point and then finally (laughs) the toronto argonauts so jeremy that is one of your guys for me (laughs) and finally down to the last one (laughs) and finally the real reason why we make you wear boxes and you don't do this in the nude tiny cocks (laughs) 
Yes, that he, is a he real better, person. He better, he better be an NFL and not an elected <laughs> official. What are you you going NFL? I'm going NFL. Yeah. Okay, I'm going official. <laughs> and Jeremy's going to take it. He is the leader oh, of the victory. Socialist Party Senate of the Netherlands. Oh. Tiny chunks. <laughs> As a future communist, I approve. <laughs> That's, that was fantastic. Oh, Great game. That was brilliant. Jeremy, Jeremy, you and your tiny cocks has won that 7-6. Oh. Seven, seven, that, that Ed case was the best that I'd lost yes, that for a second there. That was good. Jack, brilliant. Thank you for that. We really enjoyed that. Uh, quick segue from that. Why on earth did the CFL think an American expansion was worthwhile? Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, it's before I was watching this stuff. Uh, well, we'll cover it soon. Maybe I'll do some research. Come on, Caffle. Jack. Superb, thank you. Uh, nice boys, one, Jack. Let's end, as we always do, with our favourite top threes. This week, it's post-career athlete jobs. Jeremy Kuro, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Still recovering from a few of those names. <laughs> uh, shout out uh, <laughs> to yes. Carl Weathers, who, in my research, I, I found out played in the CFL before acting in such roles as Apollo Creed and Chubbs Peterson. <laughs> but <clears throat> my number three, uh, I tried to avoid like a, a sort of typical post-career jobs like media. However, my first one is, in fact, the media. It is Shaq and Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA, just because they're so funny and their banter is so good and the way they roast each other is just always so entertaining. Yeah, uh, number two, Herschel Walker, who was a Heisman Trophy winning running back at the University of Georgia, went on to be an all-time great NFL running back. Uh, while he was still playing, he competed in the 1992 Winter Olympics as part of the bobsled team. Wow. And long after his career was over, at the age of 48, he debuted as a professional MMA fighter for the company Strike Force, where he went 2-0, and both by knockout. Incredible. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, number one, you guys might be a bit surprised because I actually went uh, with someone from your area. Uh, he's a former Premier League player uh, for teams like Tottenham, Man U, and West Brom. After his career, he was briefly the chairman of the Professional Footballers Association and was at one point awarded an OBE, which I guess is the most excellent order of the British Empire, which cited his ability to bring passion to the game of football. Now known for his incredible analysis, I'm talking, of course, about of course about Garth Crooks. <laughs> <laughs> you wanker! <laughs> that was so hard for me to just read that and not smile, so you guys couldn't see my face. Uh, I don't think I breathed through the whole thing. Well, I'm anyway. not gonna lie, you had us in the first half. Yeah, brilliant, Jeremy. Thank you, Jack. Garth Crooks, go. <laughs> right, so my first one is more of a, a typical one. It's it's Tony Romo. So he obviously was, to some extent, uh, taken over by Dak Prescott. He's come through and revolutionized commentary in the NFL. He's being able to, he's calling plays before they happen in the game. It's, it's, it's actually just incredible. He retired and people were saying, why are you retiring? We, you're still a good quarterback. There's no reason to be leaving. And now they're paying him as much as they would have been paying him as a quarterback. Fantastic commentator and incredibly well done. Uh, number two is Imran Khan. Uh, he was a fantastic cricketer in his day, an all-rounder, World Cup winner as well. And he is now the Prime Minister of Pakistan. Um, it's one hell of a career change. And he is loved wow. in Pakistan, as far as I know. Not sure I necessarily agree with his politics, but we'll move on swiftly. Um, and finally, one for Jeremy, Kurt Angle. No way. The man, it's, 
it's a slight it's it's not so much of a diversification but he won a gold medal in real wrestling and then moved on to acting wrestling in the WWE and is now a producer of the WWE I I've discovered so the guy has obviously been at the top of his field in whatever that field is his his whole life. One honourable mention, uh, a gentleman by the name of Rob Holt used to be a goalkeeper for West Bromwich Albion. Not necessarily an, a post-career change, but a mid-career change. He was sacked by the club for filming in his West Bromwich Albion gear a porn movie. <laughs> so goalie to porn star is uh, the honourable mention there. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I can't think of anything that would be more off-putting than a West Brom top in that situation. For mine, I've gone for ex-Aston Villa and Norwich City legend Dion Dublin, who is not only now a pundit, he flogs (laughs) houses on BBC morning television show Homes Under the Hammer. Uh, Jeremy, for for yourself and for our North American listeners, uh, and for anyone who doesn't live in the UK, this is a show in which... Uh, people walk around houses and just value them and then uh, interview the people who buy them and then the people who buy them either move in or don't. It's it's, it's pointless, <laughs> but I love it. Uh, there's actually a great YouTube video in which somebody has just cut just cut clips of Dion Dublin saying, and now let's see the master bedroom. And it's just 10 minutes of him walking upstairs. <laughs> it's, oh God, it's, it's too good. Uh, second on my list, uh, I've got the aforementioned uh, George Weah, who... Uh, not only got got Ali Dyer a job at Southampton, he then went on to become the Liberian president. So much like Imran Khan, he's fairly changed careers. And then third, uh, I've gone for uh, ex-NFL star OJ Simpson, who became a murder mystery author. So that is my top three. Dion Dublin, Foggenhouses, oh, George right Weah, Liberian dream. president. Uh. And uh, yeah... Oh, Jack's oh, in there. Uh, OJ Simpson, uh, who is now writing books. Nice one. Boys, again, that was great fun. Great podcast. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you. We, we are really so grateful for all the feedback for everyone who is listening to us week in, week out. Um, it's actually at a point now where, where, where we've got people listening before we do, uh, So which is, which is just brilliant. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at all our teams you can find us on spotify Castbox, apple pod uh you name it we are pretty much there please subscribe please like if you give us five stars and you live in canada jeremy will buy you a beer and yeah we are we're, we're just loving doing the pod and we're we're loving that you're loving listening to us gander on about sports week in week out uh jack green thank you and good night thank you and good night and to everyone else listening much appreciated Jeremy Curo, thank you, and good night. Thanks, boys, and thank you, Jack, for those uh, incredible <laughs> names in that segment. I'll see you later, guys. That was absolutely, yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, my name's been D- uh, Dion Dublin. I'm off to flog a house. And I'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. Oh, that was weird. Hello. And it's you call it the Willy Wally? Oh, uh, Willy Wally. Willy Wally. You're talking to someone who got 93% in college-level math in grade 11 here. What's uh, 918 in 24 over time? What? <laughs> Moving on. That must have been in the 7% you didn't get. Fuck off, Alistair. What a cunt. Sorry, guys. Fuck. Ooh, no one here. Spooky. That's what she said. Yeah, nice. Not to us. Motherwell, that's a place? Sounds like a, a metal band.